Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. We're going to try to go quick. I'm going to try to see if I can do this in like 20 minutes or so, and then we're going to do something really exciting that we haven't done uh, in a long time. So tonight, uh, we're continuing in our series on character. Uh, We've been doing it for quite some time. We feel like God said just park in this series uh, of character, okay? Um, Now, as we're doing this, we've been talking about foundational blocks because remember, we said your character is not defined on your personality. It's not your talents or your gifts. There's actually deeper than that. Your gifts might get you the job. Your talent might get you the job, but your character will sustain and keep the job. The, the personality, the, the talents, the charisma about you might get you the relationship, right? But the character keeps it 20 years down the road going, right? Like the character is what's really important here, okay? And so we talked about passion. You guys remember that one? We talked about how it's a choice to keep your passion alive. Then we talked about devotion. We talked about how you have to have this devotional life with the Lord and make that a priority in your life. Then we talked about prayer and and how you have to prioritize. Prayer is not a personality trait. It's a choice we make to have a conversation with God on a daily basis. And we went through different types of prayer. And then last week, you guys actually did National Day of Prayer, you know, which was super awesome. So tonight, this next one, doesn't actually seem a lot like a character trait. Just like a lot of these, when I first said them, you're like, that doesn't seem like a character thing. But I I, I promise you, I really believe it is because once again, it's a choice. And a character is a discipline and a choice you make to develop within yourself. So tonight, we are actually going to be talking about developing this character trait, okay, of going out and doing evangelism. A lot of people don't. Yeah, that was way too quiet, man. Okay, we got one woot woot. (laughs) Evangelism, I believe, is not just a gift, but it's a character we as Christians develop. It's something you have to work on, go after, and develop. It's like going, if you, if, a lot of people say, I don't evangelize because I just don't have the gift for it. Okay, that's like saying, I don't go to the gym because I'm just not athletic. Right? And it's like, well, you're not athletic because you're not going to the gym. Right? <laughs> right? There's basically, like, it's kind of reverse. You could actually go to the, if you had someone who was just naturally super buff, like Joel here, if you had someone who's just naturally athletic, okay, and then you had a guy who wasn't at all, right, like me, okay, and, and if he just slept all day, which he doesn't, and I worked out all day, I could actually surpass him in strength. Not because I was more gifted, but because I developed the discipline, Right? So you might have someone who's naturally really good and evangelism's easy for them. They just do it all the time. They don't even think about it, okay? But if you develop the character to go after it, you can actually see greater things happen than even someone who's quote-unquote naturally an evangelist because you chose to go after it, right? And so that's why I believe it falls underneath character. Evangelism, like prayer, like worship, like reading your Bible— is a necessary part of the Christian faith. No one would say, I don't have the gift to read the Bible. You just say, well, you're Christians, so you better learn to develop this gift, <laughs> right? Or I don't have the gift of praying to God. 
you know, or I just don't have the gift of being nice to people. Like, you know, you're like, well, you should learn to love because you're a Christian, you know, like, and so in the same way, I really believe evangelism uh, is one of those muscles you can build and you can grow in, okay? I'm a testament of that. I hated evangelism and I absolutely was terrible at it and it still freaks me out a lot of times, Um, but I've tried to really put myself in hard moments that force me to evangelize. <laughs> and it's really good. It's a good thing. It's often like um, if you're trying to wake up and you're all sluggish in the morning, you put like freezing water on your face and all of a sudden you're like, I'm awake. Okay, I'm awake. You're right? Have you ever had something like that happen? Are you the shower's like freezing? You're like, ah, right? Have you ever had that? You're all of a sudden awake. You were tired two minutes ago. Evangelism for me and for a lot of people is like that. Your faith, if your faith is sluggish, you want to wake up, go evangelize. It'll wake you up, <laughs> right? If you're like, I don't know, I just feel like I'm in a rut. I don't feel that close to God, and I just feel so sluggish. I don't, my face so cold. It's like, great, go tell a stranger about Jesus. That'll wake you up, and you will actually fall more in love with Jesus because you begin to remember as you tell the stranger all about what he's done for you. It rekindles this flame. It gets you going again. Evangelism, yes, it's for the lost to get saved, but it's a gift God gave to you to keep your faith burning. You know, Did you realize evangelism is a gift you're only going to have for the next like, 60, 70 years? You're not going to be able to evangelize in heaven. You know, you'll still be able to worship. You'll still, I believe the word of God is still going to be there, right? You, you're going to be able to pray in the sense of just talking to God, right? But you're not going to be able to evangelize anymore. It's not like, hey, uh, do you know him? <laughs> you know, like, yes, that's why I'm here, right? Evangelism, you have a small window of opportunity for all of eternity, a small window to actually evangelize. What an honor it is to do it when I don't feel like it. I'll never have that chance again. And if I'm sitting in heaven, I don't want to be there for all eternity and be like, man, I just really wish I felt like it more. <laughs> you know? Like, no, I really want to, I want to try. Maybe I'm not naturally gifted at it, but I just at least want to stand before God and say, God, I really tried. I gave it my all. And I really believe he's not going to be like, why didn't you get as much as him? I think you would look at that heart and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And even if, if I get rejected a million times and I lead one person to Jesus, there was a soul for all of eternity just got shifted. That's worth it, man. Absolutely right there. And so this is why we make it a choice to evangelize, not a feeling we have, but a a choice that we make. It's a fundamental piece of Christianity. And so I was probably the most, the least likeliest person in the world. I was an introvert. I was quiet, didn't really like to talk to people. I'd rather be home reading, you know, like I'd rather like, like I got way overwhelmed real easily by people. Like that's me. So when I had to, when I was put in situations where I want, they said to do evangelism, I got just offended and I got really mad (laughs) pretty much because what happened is I would see other people evangelizing and it would scare me and they were good at it. So then I'd get offended at them for being good at it, (laughs) right? That's how offense works half the time, right? Is they're doing something I'm not and I should be able to do that. But wait, no, I don't want to be challenged, so they should stop doing that so I feel better about myself, <laughs> right? Like, and so I didn't like it. So often when we're afraid of something, we find a reason to justify not having to do it. And it's a theological reason. And we make up theology saying, well, 
I don't have this gift. I'm not in the office of an evangelist, so I don't have to do it anymore, right? And it's actually, please, just be truthful. And just be like, dude, it freaks me out. That I can work with. Let's do that, <laughs> right? I know, me too. Let's go freak, be freaked out together, right? Okay, so let's face our fears together. So what happened, I really began, my heart began to break, uh, and I said, God, like, because I realized Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So if I don't want to seek and save the lost, I miss the whole reason Jesus came, right? If, and if I don't want to seek and to save the lost, if I don't have that heart, then I don't have Jesus' heart. Because that's, that was his heart, to seek and to save the lost, right? So how can I be like, Jesus, give me your heart? And he's like, here you go. And you're like, not that part. <laughs> give me the worship musical heart. Like, you know, like, what? I came. I came to, right? So how can you possibly have Jesus' heart unless you're evangelizing? Because he came to seek and save the lost. I'm preaching my, I'm punching myself in the face right here because this is like, this is hard for me, right? I don't consider myself a natural evangelist. I'm more pastoral. Sit down with me and let's talk for hours about your junk, you know, right? <laughs> like, that's me, right? And I didn't like evangelists because I thought they were just trying to get a sale. I thought they were just trying to say the prayer. Okay, cool, now I can leave, right? And like, I, and I hated that. And I realized though that I had a skewed view of evangelism because I saw televangelists in a suit doing it. And I was like, I don't want to do that, you know? Or I saw uh, people who were with signs saying turn or burn and they were angry in crowds preaching the gospel. And I was like, I don't want to do that, right? Or I, or I saw people who were really loud and obnoxious, you know, like, and I was like, I don't want to do that either. So I just associated evangelism with all these things. And I said, I guess it's not for me. And I didn't realize that it's actually not about any of them. It's about Jesus. It's about his heart. It's about keeping my faith alive and help igniting other people's faith. When I realized that, I said, God, help me to become an evangelist. Help me to evangelize. I may never be in the office of it or something where, like, that's all I do, right? I'm more pastoral. But it should always be part of my life, right? And so that's the first thing that happened is I asked for Jesus' heart. The second thing that happened that changed everything is I actually began to read the Bible. <laughs> oh, it's in the Bible, right? It's actually in the Bible to go do it, okay? So Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. I read that and it's pierced me. And I said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. God, I'm embarrassed to tell people about you. I am ashamed of the gospel. And it convicted me so deeply to where then I said, okay, what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start declaring over my life every day. I said, God, help me to not be ashamed of your gospel. And then I would declare my, over my life this verse, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not. And you say it until you believe it. And then when you believe it, you'll say it because you finally believe it, right? <laughs> and so, so you declare it in faith until you start to actually believe this thing, right? And so I'm trying to be vulnerable with you to show you this is not who I was, okay? Now it's hilarious that for a living I helped spread the gospel because it's not who I was, right? Okay, Mark 16, 15, and it says, and he, so Jesus, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. He did not say... If you have the grace for it, if you're comfortable, if you feel like it, if you're an extrovert, go into all the world, right? <laughs> no, he just said, do it. He's talking to who? Christians. He's talking to everyone there, right? And you had a lot of different personalities in those disciples, very different people. And they were all listening to him. And he said to all of them, go and do this, right? And so uh, this other part, too, there, there's, 
we see this, uh, this part's crazy. We see this uh, a lot of times where Jesus casts out demons, okay? It says that people were sick and they were healed when they came to him. It says also that they came to him and he cast demons out of them, okay? There's another uh, verse, Matthew 9, 38. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest, okay? That word send there is this word ekbalo, okay? And the word ekbalo is the exact same word for cast when he casted out demons. So when he says, in Jesus' name, get out of him, that's ekbalo. It's a violent casting, grabbing, and throwing a demon out of a person. This is the same word he uses when he says, pray that God would send people to evangelize. That's a crazy picture. of it. That doesn't sound like you feel like it. It sounds like you're sitting there and, and you're like, God, use me. And he's like, all right, cast it, <laughs> right? And he throws you into the harvest, right? Like, it's not like this comfortable, cute little thing. Igbalo is this, it's this violent word of being thrown out into the harvest. So sometimes it's like, I'm going to go be a missionary. Why is this so hard out here? Because you've been igbaloed. You've been thrown out, right? And so this is that heart of God to say, go for it. Just go for it, right? Just go after it. And I was scared. I was like, but God, I'm not like eloquent. I don't have these awesome words. I don't know what to say, right? And then there's this verse, Luke 12, verse 11. He says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. But God, I don't have the words. I know. Just do it anyway, and I'll give you the words in the moment. But that requires me to step out and in the moment have faith that you're going to speak through me. He's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Oh, if you wait to go up to somebody until you have the perfect argument, you're never going to go up to them. So he says, just go, and then I'll fill your words. Right? <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon if you ever want to get convicted, just read his stuff. Um, he says this. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Oh, <laughs> that's like, right? That's rough, man. He basically says that you're all missionaries. It's not just the people who go to other nations. You're all missionaries, right? To say I'm a Christian and not say I'm willing to tell people about Jesus, that's an imposter. That's not a real Christian. That's convicting. Dang it, right? He also says this. He said, let eloquence be flung to the dogs rather than souls be lost. What we want is to win souls. They are not won by flowery speeches. Dang, dude. So I hope I've convinced you to like, okay, maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe I don't know what to do. Maybe I'm not sure, right? But I hope I've convinced you a little bit to say, give me a heart, God. Help me. Help me evangelize. Does anyone feel like that? Like, okay, I'm not there, but like, help me. So I'm going to give you a, a couple quick, uh, five more minutes. You guys got five more minutes in you? Cool. And then we're going to do something exciting. Okay. So five more minutes. So this is what I do. I'm just going to give you some quick how to step one. I call this the approach. Okay. So try to teach you. I want to evangelize now. What do I do? I'm assuming you're all prayed up. I'm assuming you believe in Jesus. I'm assuming you're right standing with God, right? If you're not that, don't go evangelize unless you first believe in God, right? Okay. So I'm assuming all that. Okay. Now, step one, approach. This is like, I'm going up to someone. I want to evangelize to Patrick here, but what do I do? First, you got to approach them. Okay. Just going to happen. I've seen so many people out there evangelizing, and they're just like, 
There's a moment where you got to stand up, you got to approach him. Okay. These are my practical insights. Don't be weird. That's number one, okay? <laughs> number two, don't stalk people, okay? I see this all the time. When we're out there evangelizing, people are like, there he is. Okay, I'm going. <laughs> like, and they're like, come on, come on. Right? And, they're like, and then the person like looks around and they're like, oh. Like, it's like, have you seen Emperor's New Groove where Kronk is like, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? And then they see him and he's like, on the wall, right? Like, that's what we do. We're so weird sometimes with it. Like, just be normal, man. Just walk up to them, okay? Okay? And a lot of times, we don't want to walk up to them tell what we're doing, so we try to just come up with like, so, you see the sky's blue today, right? And like, you just make up something awkward, and they're like, why are we talking? And then finally, halfway through, you're like, do you know Jesus? And you're like, that was not a natural transition, right? Like, like don't be weird. Don't stalk people. Just go up to them. Another practical piece of advice is a lot of times people go in groups, which I fully believe in, go in groups, go in, you know, three, two, three, four, five, right? But don't all, like, four or five of you go up to a person at the same time. Like, you're mobbing them. It's weird. Like, can you imagine standing there and five people walk up to you and, like, hey, can we talk to you? And you're like, do I have a choice? Like, I don't know, right? Like, like, okay, send one or two of you up and let the other people pray for you, right? And then when you do it again, switch, right? And then send the other two and you pray for them, right? Okay? Because it's just awkward. And they're like, there's like five of you looking at me. I don't want to open up and be vulnerable, you know, right now. Okay? So just that's what all I'm going to say for the approach. Next one is the gospel. I believed this lie that I have to have it all perfect in order for me to preach the gospel. I, like I have to have a degree in it or I have to have it all figured out. I love studying the Bible. I believe in going to school and doing all that stuff, right? But, but it doesn't mean you wait to get there before you start preaching. Like you, you do it in the go, right? As you go, preach the gospel. So here's some tips on preaching the gospel. Number one is just keep it simple. Keep it simple. I've heard people try to preach the gospel and they spend 20 minutes and they're talking about the 10 commandments and they're talking about the sacrifices and the, these things in Leviticus and like all this stuff. And you're like, where's Jesus in this, you know, or, or they're telling their story, their testimony. They just talk for 20 minutes, how horrible their life was. And then they're like, and then I met Jesus. Okay. Thank you. you like, and you're like that, what? Like, you know, just keep it simple. Keep it Jesus. Okay. Real simple. The simple gospel, Jesus, Jesus plus nothing. That's the gospel. The minute you say Jesus plus I need this certain thing, uh, this certain formula, it's no longer like, no, you're trying to add things to Jesus. Jesus in of himself is the missing piece in your heart. Jesus in of himself is the most attractive thing people will ever hear. So don't try to put salt on it and seasoning to make it easier. Jesus is the best it can be, okay? Like you don't need to try to help people water it down with a cool thing, right? Just, it's Jesus, okay? Jesus plus nothing is the gospel, okay? So uh, you don't need to be a deep theologian. Just say real quick, we were created by God. He loves us. We turned away from God. That's why there's bad things in the world, <laughs> right? You know, Jesus wanted us back. God wanted us back, so he sent Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus took our penalty for humanity, all of the junk we did. He took it on himself, died on the cross, rose three days later, right? Like, very simple. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved, right? 30 seconds, right? If they have questions, sure, you can try to answer questions, but don't get caught on bunny trails. A lot of times people don't have issues with Jesus. They have an issue with the church 
or a weird theology or something like that. You'll bring up Jesus. They'll talk about how their church hit them and everyone's a hypocrite. And you'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. But back to Jesus. Like, don't go down that bunny trail, okay? Like, don't, don't, you'll just go down there for 30, 40 minutes and there's very little fruit a lot of times down there. Sometimes it can just be a distraction. Like, bring it back to just Jesus. And it's okay. Don't make up answers. If they say, well, what about this theological thing in this verse and all this stuff? Just admit and say, you know, I don't know about that. I would really have to figure that out. People can, they can tell when you're lying anyway. So just say, no, I don't know, right? And be like, but what I do know is Jesus changed my life. And then share your story. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I was doing all these things. And then Jesus saved me. You know, people, they, they can argue with your theology. They can't argue with your, with your experience. They can't, like, they can say to you, if, yeah, don't worry about it. There's people, <laughs> right? Okay, so they can say, they can't be like, that didn't happen to you. You're like, no, it did. This is what happened to me. He changed my life. No, he didn't. He, he really did, right? <laughs> like, 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 just share your story. Revelations 12, verse 11, uh, it, it says that they overcame the accuser, okay, by the blood of the lamb. That's the gospel, Jesus, okay? And it says, and the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. You, you, you see, guys, when you just have the gospel, the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and the word of your testimony of what it did for you, that's how you silence the lies of the enemy. So it says, well, what about predestination or free will? Dude, you know, I'm really not that smart. All I know is I was depressed and then God made me joyful again. I hated my life and now I love my life. I felt guilty. Now I feel free, right? And so you don't need, yes, I love those things. But a lot of times if someone really has theological questions, I say, hey, let's find a time to sit down and I would love to go through it. That's the pastoral piece of my heart. Let's spend an hour or two going through it together. Bring a list. A lot of times when I meet with people, I say, dude, bring a list of all your questions. Let's go through them together. But sometimes in the moment, that's not the time for that, right? Sometimes it's like, okay, we'll talk about that later. Right now, it's just Jesus, and he loves you so much, right? Let's, let's talk about the theological stuff later. Does that make sense at all? So, okay. So, uh, real quick is, uh, yeah, I just have so many testimonies of that happening. There was this lady I was on the airplane with, and she had all these questions. And, uh, and I would say, you know, and if I knew them, I would tell her. I would totally tell her if I knew them. But a lot of times I didn't. And I just said, you know, I, I just know God's a perfect dad and a perfect husband. What, what would a perfect dad or husband do in that moment? And then she answered. She's like, well, a perfect dad would do this. And I said, yeah, I think that's what God would do. And she was like, oh, oh, wow. And she went through all the questions. And then at the end of it, and I just said the same thing, well, what would a good dad do? What would a good husband do right there? And then at the end of it, she said, you know, Tanner, no one has ever talked to me about Jesus like this, right? I had the same conversation with a devout atheist who just wanted to argue, same thing. What would a father do? What would a, what would a husband do? At the very end, he stopped and he said, you know, Taylor, if anyone could get me to be a Christian, it's going to be you, <laughs> right? Because I, 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 all his arguments and all his stuff, he's just trying to go with the mind. I said, okay, wait, heart, father, God, husband, Jesus, right? What would they do? You have a son. What would you do for your son? That's what he did for us, right? Okay, so finally at the end, just end in prayer. You're going to have some people um, who, when you ask them, don't be afraid to ask do you want to know Jesus? Sometimes we share the whole gospel and then we say amen and we leave. Ask them, do you want 
to know him. They, many of them, will say no. Jesus promised us that many would say no. They said no to him. If one person said no to him, millions can say no to me, right? Like, like it's okay. If you're not getting rejected at least two or three times, you're really not trying that hard, <laughs> okay? So, like, it's okay. When you get rejected, turn around and be like, I got rejected for Jesus, yeah, <laughs> right? Like, spin it, okay? It's okay. It's a good thing. A kid riding his bike and then fell over. Dad's not angry at him. He's like, dude, you rode for, like, three feet. Way to go. Like, and he's so proud. Your dad is proud of you in heaven, not angry, okay? A lot of times we think success is if I win people to Jesus. And he says, no, success is actually that you publicly acknowledge me. And Luke 12, 8 says, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also publicly acknowledge or, well, sorry, will also acknowledge before the angels of God. He didn't say, if you win somebody over, then I'll acknowledge you. He said that just the fact that you're going out there and you're acknowledging me, my heart, I have to tell the angels about you, right? And so, Leonard Ravenhill says this. He said, any method of evangelism will work if God is in it. Everyone's looking for the, the craziest, best method out there. Anything that has God in it, that's the one that's going to work, okay? So this is what we're going to do. So I'm officially done. I did that in 24 minutes. I went a little, I went over. I apologize there, okay? So this is what we're going to do is uh, I'm very big on like let's practically do something with what we learned. Don't just keep it and be like, oh, it's another good sermon and walk away, okay? So uh, as far as I know, there right down the street, the roads are blocked off because there's a block party going on. Usually, we'd spend the next 30, 40 minutes in small groups and things like that. Tonight, I'm going to challenge us to go out there and evangelize. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.